So Father, we say amen to every word you've already spoken over your children today. Not just those we dedicated, but those that are here for you, us. Every word spoken of us, not by, not by human minds, not by public opinion, not by relationships that have defined us, but by our Heavenly Father. We thank you, Father. The world gives labels, but you give names. You name us. And I pray that in the names that you've spoken over every life in this room today, that the beauty and the meaning and the power and the potential would come alive under the gospel of Jesus. Holy Spirit, move in this room and online. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Take your seats. And on the way down, just uh, tap someone in your row. Let them know it's going to be an epic Sunday. Worship team, I could see the joy in you as we worship today. You guys can, you guys can take a rest for a brief moment. It really is a special Sunday. And, you know, when we first planted Link Church or started Link Church, I just want you to know we dreamed of days like this. In other words, God gives us the desires of our hearts when they're in alignment with Him. This, for me, is not just an ordinary Sunday. It's the fulfillment of a godly desire to see families change their futures as their children come alongside Jesus. It's not just we do church. It's we are church. It's we arrive with faith and expectation and we, we buy coffees for us and our friends because we're that excited. And our kids who are running around like craziness in this campus, especially now with the expansion, there's a reduced space. It feels like it feels like chaos. I call it happy chaos, though, I'll be honest. If you're online right now, um, I'm not sure whether you chose the better option. Uh, it certainly is an option. It's quieter where you are, but the noise here is kind of beautiful. So um, hello to our online family and friends. But I just, I just need you to hear that when we stand up with 17 families or whatever it is, and we come alongside them in faith to see their children love Jesus, it's not just something we are called to do as a church. It's not a religious activity. It's a relational interaction. It's us partnering with parents and partnering with God and those parents to say, these kids will shape and change things. And I'm going to take every moment I have to speak over the 17 children and the 400 plus of you in the room that we will shape and change things. Tap your neighbor and say, we will. <laughs> you will. You will, but not in your own strength. That's just a little disclaimer, side note. You're not that good, but God will use you. <laughs> I wish I could say that we were the geniuses behind this church dream, but it was all God, I promise. The title of my message today is Didn't See It Coming. We've been in a series called um, Word, which is kind of challenged the thought, you know, the Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, and we've been asking a simple question, so what are you hearing? Because there's a lot of spoken word out there that has become cluttered to our minds and doesn't hold direction. I'm talking about like public opinion, you know, latest news reads, statistics, perhaps even a few friends kind of, you know, adding some thoughts into our headspace. A lot of words being spoken. But His word is the only word that shapes and changes worlds. So we're asking our church and family and friends, what are you hearing? And obviously there's so much that's coming in. 
But what are you hearing? What does it look like to, in some ways, filter what's going in through our ears and let it sink into our hearts? I heard a, I heard a statement recently that said, teachers speak to the head. Some would call it intellectualism. Uh, preachers speak to the heart. Some would call it emotionalism. Pastors speak to both. I want to be a pastor to you in these moments as we discuss the Word of God. I want to speak to your head. I want to challenge the way you see Jesus and the gospel. And I want to help you with new insights to the Bible. But I want it to sink deep down. I, I want it to go from here to here because from here is where all the change happens. And so we've been looking at a few kind of catalysts, if you like, to faith. Because it's, we all agree that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. But how does God speak? If we're going to ask what we're hearing, we're going to have to seek out how He speaks. And so we looked at, uh, a few weeks ago, I looked at providential relationships. God can speak through godly counsel and the wisdom of friends and community. God can speak. Now as you leave the room, you could have a coffee. You could think it was just a Sunday. Someone might say something, and it will activate something in your heart because God speaks through his local house. He loves his church. God speaks. I spoke about practical teaching or powerful preaching. We looked at different ways to, to read the Bible. If you missed it, you can go and check it out. It's on YouTube. Everything's on YouTube. It's awesome like that in 2021. You can go and catch up on the teachings that are helping us hear God. Because when we hear God, faith is our delivery system, if you like, to what heaven has for us. And so when we hear God through these various catalysts, it gives us uh, courage, if you want, to act upon what He's called us to. And we step into things we never dreamed of. Faith is the secret source to the Christian life, not flesh. It's not what you do. It's what God does in you that activates something beautiful. And so today I want to speak about pivotal circumstance. Didn't see it coming. Here's the thing about every faith story. Um, and as I stood here with parents now, I just remembered um, that moment of us having our first child and then everything changed. You remember that, parents? Some gray hairs in the room. You see the kids up on the stage, you're so happy to have them for just an hour. But they changed you for the better, whether it was hard or not. Kids change us for the better. And that's a pivotal circumstance. It's kind of out of your control. When baby comes, it's game on. But then I thought about other things in pivotal circumstances as well that perhaps aren't as joyful as a child entering our world. It could be... It could be the loss of a loved one. Someone tells their faith story and they stop at some point and say, and then I lost someone dear to me. And everything in my life started to change. It's pivotal. Most faith stories, if not all, will stop at some point and talk about a pivotal circumstance that took place. Perhaps it was a traumatic moment in your family. Perhaps it was an accident. Perhaps it was a car crash. Perhaps it was an operation that went wrong or you know, I, there's so many things I could reference in this moment. But what I know is when we, when we speak about the life of faith and, and what God has done in our lives, and I'm talking to my friends online, isn't it true so often that we get to a moment where we say, and then this happened and everything changed. Now, it could be positive. It could be negative. It, it doesn't matter. But here's what I know. Pivotal circumstances can be used as catalysts for faith to increase in our hearts. Can is an important word there because sometimes we miss the moment and we don't move beyond the pain or the trauma or the didn't see it coming. And we get stuck in this cycle of downward spiral where God wants to use all things to the good of those who love Him. Amen. And so I want to speak a little bit today about how God uses pivotal circumstances. Perhaps you, you, were, you were going through life, you had a great job, and then, and then you walked into your boss's office and he had those words for you. It's, it's done. You're leaving. 
I'm terminating your employment. And, and you tell your story, and, and some of you are in that moment now, but some of us or, or others ha- have been through that in their lives. And when they refer to that moment, it was like a pivotal moment. God shaped something new for their lives based on the trauma or just the pivotal nature of that circumstance. And so God uses pivotal circumstances. But what I want to do is I want to try and give you just two thoughts within the pivotal circumstances of life. Because how many of you guys know we're going to experience more? Like, I don't need to start quoting the last two years that have taken place to let you know it has been pivotal. It will change us forever. Hopefully for the better. What I love in Deuteronomy, check this out, Deuteronomy 30 God is like commissioning Israel to live in the freedom that he has for them. He's trying to remind them, listen, guys, i got good things for you. Stop faffing. And so he's kind of giving them some guidance. Deuteronomy 30, can we put it up on the screen? I want to read it together as a church. It's a beautiful scripture where God speaks to his people. I'll read it anyway. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I've set before you life and death, blessing and curse. These are pivotal moments. Life and death are not, are not neutral examples. They're extreme examples. Blessings and curses, not neutral. It's extreme. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. Don't you love that? You see, sometimes you don't get to choose what life brings at you. It's out of your control. But when life like that chooses you, you do have an option to choose life. And I feel like one of the things God is doing in our church is He's reminding us that although we've lost many things, that although circumstances haven't been what we planned for or have been way out of our control, come on, you and I both together, what on earth just happened? We still have an option to choose life. Tap your neighbor and say, I'm going forward. God is saying to His people, I will give you the power. This is where faith kicks in. I will give you the power to choose life when life hasn't chosen you. There is something about the gospel that gets right in the middle. If you need a church, I just want to help you understand. We don't do this to make ourselves feel better on a weekend. Honestly, it's not about that, although you will feel better. I can promise you that by being in church. We do this because Jesus got a hold of our lives when we had nothing to offer Him in return. And He reminded us that the whole Bible story was about His life being laid down for ours so that our lives could be lifted up in His. That's the gospel of Jesus. And so when He says choose life, it's not some psychological, motivational, all right, Monday morning, all right, I'm going to get up and knuckle my, my wife and go, all right, baby, let's go out there and change the world. It won't last. This is us waking up in the morning and perhaps starting like this with our hands in the sky and going, God, I'm choosing life. I love the lines of one of the songs we've sung a few times. I found my life when my knees touched the ground. And so I'm not talking about like, you know, the uber positive happy culture that dances through the streets pretending everything's like, okay, come on, just tap your name and say, he's getting real with us here. I'm talking about finding the kind of life that only God gives. And guess what? It's available. Like courage is available like clarity for your business and strategies. It's available. Green pastures are available. Mountaintops are there for the taking. 
joyful family moments around the table where there's been brokenness for years and families have been, there's been curses and cycles and brokenness. And I'm telling you right now, turnaround is available. But it's not going to come by us going, all right, I'm going to choose to make this count. It's going to come by us, I think, responding to God in a healthy way. So let me give you two ideas. I believe we can respond to God when life kind of doesn't choose us. Let's call it pivotal circumstance. I love how C.S. Lewis said this. He said, God whispers in our pleasure, speaks in our conscience, and shouts in our pain. I'm going to read it again for the people in the room that have experienced some pain. God whispers in our pleasure, speaks in our conscience, and shouts in our pain. It's his megaphone to rise a deaf world or rouse a deaf world. That was C.S. Lewis. You see, friends, if you write down nothing today, if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write it down. We are not defined by present circumstance. We are defined by eternal purpose. I need you to hang on to that for the rest of your life. I'm not defined by present circumstance. I'm in it but it doesn't define me. I'm defined by eternal purpose. And our children are not defined by present circumstance. The mistake they made doesn't define them. They're defined by eternal purpose, God's fingerprints on their lives. And sometimes, you see, we all like the idea of that, but we don't agree with what it means to serve God, and so we miss out on living the reality of that, which is I live in the identity that He has for me, not the one that I've created for myself. You see, when you let go of yourself, great things take place. This is good news for parents to dedicated children today. God is so much better at parenting than we are. So you can be encouraged. He's going to look after your children. He loves them more than you do. That's good news. Two things that I believe God will help us with today. The one is this priority of presence, I call it. The priority of presence. Immediately when I was thinking about, you know, defining circumstance or pivotal circumstance I was taken to the story of Lazarus now you all know the story Lazarus dies Mary and Martha call Jesus Jesus says I'm going to be there in a little while they get mad because he kind of doesn't they don't think he has their best interest their brother is dead he, he, he gets there Lazarus is four years in the tomb and Jesus is like cool let's do this thing you know the story paraphrased alright but I want to pick up on some part of the story that we don't always see Jesus, right in the beginning, makes a statement, this won't end in death, right? And so Mary and Martha, they hang out in the pain of the moment. Did you notice that in the story? Most of us, when pain comes at us or pivotal circumstances come at us, guess what? We're gone. Like, it's too hard. I'm out. Ninja bomb. 2021 word for I vanished. And so when circumstance chooses us, we don't naturally choose it. We run from it. Don't worry, me too. I know you're thinking, ah, he he got me. No, me too. We don't like confronting the reality of life. And listen, pivotal circumstances, we've just mentioned it now, it, it, it chooses you, but you have a choice to choose it. Will it bring you life or will it lead to death? And so what's amazing about the Lazarus story is Their brother's dead and they're with him and they're still waiting for Jesus even though it seems done. They're in the middle of the circumstance. They ain't going anywhere. So I want to talk just a little bit about the priority of presence. You see, we hide from God. We saw it in the Garden of Eden. 
We see it when Peter denies Jesus. He runs. He heads back to fishing. But in the story of Lazarus, we see Mary and Martha stick around. And they witness resurrection power. I wonder what lies on the other side of us sticking around life's pivotal or unwanted circumstance. Being in the moment. I call it the priority of presence. Some would call it the power of presence. In John 11, verse 28, it says, And after she had said this, this is Martha speaking to Jesus, she went back and called her sister Mary and said, The teacher is here and asking for you. And when Mary heard this, by the way, friends, I just want to put you in the story. When things have gone down and Jesus comes walking toward you and you've run away from him, we've all done it. The invitation of the gospel remains the same. Come back. Like, come near. And when Mary hears this invitation, it says she gets up and she runs quickly to him. She prioritizes presence. One of the ways that God uses pivotal circumstances, because I don't believe God breaks things down. I believe God builds things up. My my Bible narrative doesn't mention a God that is cruel. It it speaks of a God that is kind and gracious and loving and forgiving and restorative and brings favor and brings grace. And he wants best things for us. The devil has a different plan. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But God comes to bring life and abundance. And yet we run away from the very thing that life is in. And so it's to be present in our pain. Psychology would tell you that's the most important part of walking through pivotal moments is to start by being present in them. In fact, there's a very simple cycle to moving through grief. I'll, I'll paraphrase it. I don't, I don't want to sound like I know it all, but there's a really beautiful cycle when we move through grief. And it, it's, just, it's just kind of it's awareness of it or acknowledgement of it. It's making adjustments because of it. And then it's appreciating that there is a new day because of it. Some would even call it when you walk through grief, it's to be present in the moments. It's then to realize life won't look the same. This is all part of presence, friends. And then it's to go, what am I going to do with what's left? What are the stirrings? Where's the opportunity? I call it the priority of presence. Presence in the pain, but also presence with Jesus. She runs toward Jesus and finds him, and he works with her. Don't you find it interesting how, you know, we're not defined by present circumstance. We're defined by eternal purpose. And yet the way we walk into eternal purpose is to be present in our present circumstance. Can I say that again just because I feel like I'm waxing lyrical? I almost feel like I could rap. You are not defined by your present circumstance. You are defined by eternal purpose. But one of the ways faith activates eternal purpose is for you to choose to be present in your present circumstance and to choose His presence in your present circumstance. The eternal purpose is not some magic formula that when we arrive at church, He flicks the switch and boom, in the sky. Good. It's We're on the ground, but He's with us. Listen to this, James 1. Can we put that up on the screen? James 1 in the message is such a cool scripture. Consider it a sheer gift, friends. When tests and challenges come at you from all sides, you know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try and get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so that you become mature, well-developed, 
Did they just say ripped in the Bible? Anyway. Not deficient in any way. Slevy, you obviously got hold of that verse long ahead of the rest of us. Not deficient in any way. Consider it a gift, friends, when you face trials. Because you're not defined by the circumstance around you. You're defined by eternal purpose. But eternal purpose is refined in you when you're present in the circumstance that you're stuck in. That's how we become mature. That's how we become I can't use the, it would be such poor preaching if I said ripped. It's just not good preaching. But that's how we become well-defined. Spiritually ripped. I like that. And I just want to encourage you as a church, parents, you know what this is like. When your children face something that is pivotal, friends have just ousted them. They've just failed. They've just broken up with the love of their lives. Pivotal circumstances. Don't find ways to get them to escape. Teach them to be present in the circumstance they never chose because therein lies the maturing process for the eternal purpose God has for them. I wish there was stuff I didn't have to go through, but I'm so grateful in hindsight that I get to. And there's some people in this room that have got stories to tell. And I want to tell you, sir, ma'am, your story builds faith for people in the world around you. What you have walked through is not just for you, it's for all of us. We're better because of you. I call it the priority of presence. The second thing I want to speak about is what I call the priority of promise. Oh, this is kind of where we're going to land. And worship team, maybe you can come and get ready to sing again. I guess we're asking the question, what does it look like for you to prioritize presence today? Question one. But secondly, I want to talk about the priority of promise. I love it on the Jesus story with Lazarus in verse 4. It says, when Jesus heard this, that the sick, he says these words, this sickness will not end in death. I want to just talk about promise. Not, not the promise you made your child. I want to talk about promises that hold. That are, you know, that's why I say his hands are stronger than ours. His words are more weighty than ours. When he says something, he does it. And he says, this will not end in death. And he said to some of you that you are gifted as leaders. And he said to others of you that you're anointed and gifted with spiritual wisdom. And he said to other of you that you have, gift, have gifts of mercy and compassion. And if he says that's on your life, make no mistake, friends, it's on your life. You have eternal purpose. Friends have come alongside you in, in seasons and, and brought a word that affirms what you feel you're called to. And then you, you, you hold it for a little while. Can I speak to my friends online? Isn't this true? We, we hold on to words God gives us for a little while. And if we don't see it changing in our world, we, we toss it like it doesn't work. But you're not defined by present circumstance. You're defined by eternal purpose. So I want to talk about the priority of promise. Holding on to promises that He's given you forever. Not the ones you've curated in your mind. I think God promised me I'm talking about ones that have been framed by His Word. Like, who does God say you are? Therefore, this doesn't define who you are. He says to them, this sickness will not end in death. And so they stick around in the moments because they know His promises always carry through or are seen through. Words carry weight. Words create worlds. I love what Bill Johnson says of Bethel Church. He says, a word God gives us or a promise of God's word that is given to us, all right, 
carries life of its own. You don't need to add any. And so when God's word comes upon our lives, whether it's through a prophetic thought, whether it's through a scripture that jumps into our hearts, whether it's through a friend that affirms a gift in our lives, that word, that promise, that thought, it carries life. Which means it's not just good for you, it's good for the world. So I know one of the things God has spoken over my life is to unlock the gospel in people's hearts. I know that's what I'm called to do, to help people see Jesus as awesome basically. And so what happens is our walk, that is not just for you in the room today or you online today or me and my little world and my little dream. That is for anywhere I go. That word, that promise, it carries life. There are business people in this room. You have, um, you have a generous gift on your life. It's a gift. It's like God's word has promised that your life is marked by generosity. And people have come and said, I see generosity in your life. And people have affirmed it when you've exercised it and you've questioned it. But I want to tell you, the promise of God carries its own life. And, and it's a choice to choose it in circumstance that doesn't look like it's still there. Man, I'm generous, but it doesn't feel like I can be. Oh, you can be. Exercise faith. Watch God move. I feel like I've got to preach a bit of faith to our church. Because life sometimes doesn't choose us but we get to choose life by being present and prioritizing promise and so the words on your life they frame it but they also bless people around you i love one of the analogies someone said as god begins to speak into our hearts is like he's taken a trip back in time from eternity he's come all the way back in time to find us in our present and to speak the kind of life into our hearts i hope he's doing it this morning to speak the kind of life and faith and word into our hearts that carries us into eternity it's like he's taking a trip back in time just to meet you. Tap your neighbor and say, he's for you. And so I've got a little statement to add to this little equation of promise. When the world seems to crumble, watch for the word. Watch for the word. Sitting in a room, I know there's circumstance, business ideas, things ideas, families are pulling, this is happening, that's happening. Watch for the word. What's he saying? What are you hearing? What are you hearing? Because when you hear something from God, friends, it doesn't respect present circumstance because it carries eternal purpose. It's not interested in what happens on Monday. It's interested in the, in the favor and the grace and the freedom that th flow through your life into eternity. The one thing I've learned during these last two years is the world can keep breaking down, but God will keep building up. The two can work in parallel. God doesn't need the world to stop breaking for Him to start building. God doesn't need your marriage to stop conflict before He adds value. God doesn't need the business to turn into the green zone before He transitions you into three new businesses that blow the roof off. He can build while it's broken. Amen? I feel like I'm preaching. And the reality is I'm not talking about positive people. I'm talking about people of promise. I'm not talking about the one with the bumper sticker. All due respect, if you have it, I'm sure it's awesome. I love it too. But I'm not talking about the bumper sticker. I'm talking about the, the, the tattoo on your heart. Like I'm born. I'm a son of promise. It can go wrong around me, but it's going right on the inside. And when that takes place, there's a posture. There's a, there's a shift. I'm telling you, friends, this, this country is crying out for not solution, salvation. To be set free of ourselves so that we can step into what God has for us. 
<laughs> People of promise. Stephen Felix said, when what you see don't line up with what he said, go with what he said. <laughs> Stand with me, church. I don't believe God's word is an activation button. You know, sometimes we can picture like church or the word or prayers like an activation button. If I could just hit it hard enough, it'll do something. And then sometimes you hit it and it feels like it's broken. But God is not an activation button. He's, he doesn't break sometimes. God's word is a final authority. It builds every time. It doesn't matter if you're feeling good or if you're feeling bad. It doesn't matter if you're feeling up or you're feeling down. God's word is authoritative. It's always building. And so what's the word over your life? What are you hearing in your heart today? What's God saying to you? It could be to take a step of faith. It could be to get baptized. We're baptizing people at 1030 and you've never been baptized and you're not sure what that means. It could be just get baptized because when that word gets activated in your heart, friends, it carries eternal purpose. Eternal purpose. Romans 8 says this, And God works all things for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. You're not defined by present circumstance. You are defined by eternal purpose. And God is going to use whatever circumstance you're in right now. I prophesy He is going to use whatever circumstance you're in right now, be it family, be it business, be it marriage, be it relationally. He is going to use that circumstance for His good, His eternal purpose in your life. So God, I speak the courage needed in this room to take on the words that you are speaking to us. Our hearts are open. Father, speak to us. Speak to your sons. Speak to your daughters. Our hearts want to hear what you have to say. Holy Spirit, come and wash over words that have robbed from us and stolen from us and, and, and destroyed in our hearts the ambition and the dreams to take on what God has for us. And Holy Spirit, come and wash into our lives new words, new seasons, new revelations, God, that will lead us to the high ground. I speak a high ground over our church today. Courage to lead, God courage to step forward courage to trust you God thank you that there is an eternal purpose on your sons and daughters I speak to my friends online eternal purpose present circumstance won't define you the spirit of God will define you in Jesus mighty name and could a church that was in agreement just say amen can we take 10 seconds just to say amen and praise God and give him some glory in this place today Jesus we thank you